My message this morning uh, is this, what happens when we pray? Because, you know, we don't want to be a playing church, we want to be a praying church. Jesus, you know, he described, he said, my father's house will be a house of prayer for all nations. And I think one of the greatest priorities of the church is prayer. And I want to encourage you with your personal prayer, but also with our corporate prayer. Because the church is really meant to be a, you know, it's like we stand guard in the city and we take a place in the spirit as, as you know, God's watchman. So we need to understand that the church is here for a purpose. It's not just here for people to come and be blessed. Although I hope you're blessed when you leave. But it's a place for people to come, to be taught, to be trained, uh, to understand, uh, you know, our purpose, to understand what the purpose of the church is. I know this, that God created each one one of us for a purpose. Every one of us. And when you begin to discover that purpose, you know, things begin to happen in your life. So this is about what happens when we pray. There are certain things that should happen when we pray, but don't always. If we allow God to grow and develop us, things will definitely begin to start to happen. I know from experience that it seems more now, and I'm sure Lynn would agree with this, that we seem to have more prayers answered quickly. It's it's just an interesting thing I'm noticing that we pray and there seems to be, you know, not every prayer is answered straight away. And for whatever reason, some the answers to some prayers are held back. But I wanted to help you this morning because I believe God wants us to see more and more of our prayers answered, uh, you know, in our lifetime. Mark 99, uh, 33 gives a little key and it says, if we can believe, if we can believe, then all things are possible. Anything is possible if we believe. That's the Bible, that's what Jesus said and that's the Word of God to us. If you want things to change quickly around you, upgrade your prayer life. Now let me ask you a question. Who has something that they really want God to answer their prayer in a certain area. Family, finance, health. Let's put that hand right up high. Who has prayers that they want to be answered? Then this morning I'm gonna give you keys. At least give you the seed so you can go away and you can do some homework around this because I believe that it is so important that we continually upgrade our prayer life. And if we want things to begin to change around about us, around our personal life, our family, our situations, then this is a starting point. Now listen to this. This is the text this morning. It's James chapter 5, verse 16. Firstly, it says this, it's, it's giving us a command to do something that most Aussies don't like doing. It says, confess your faults to one another 
I know it's hard when you haven't got any, boys. But this is what the Bible says. Confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. It's a bit like Corey said when he came up and did the announcement about man up, that we often have stuff going on in our lives that we don't want to talk to anyone about, particularly areas where we're not winning. Goes on to say this, that the effect of fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effect of fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. I've got no doubt that when we begin to pray fervent, effectual prayers, that things begin to change. This morning, I want us to think about this because I believe that prayer is gonna be not a, uh, just a personal preference in the future, but it's gonna become a matter for survival. That we know how to tap into God. We know how to tap into His goodness. And it seems that the starting point is confessing your faults one to another. It's acknowledging your need. Let's face it, if you have no need, you have no need to pray. But when we begin to confess our fault, we, faults, we begin to confess our humanity and our need for God, things can begin to change. As our life with God develops, our prayer life should also develop. I just want to start an introduction this morning by talking about some different kinds of prayer in the Bible. The Bible says a whole lot about prayer. I know this, we don't do enough of it. Uh, uh, you know, when I was preparing this message, just during the week, I tuned into a couple of Dr. Yongi Cho's messages from the past. Dr. Paul Yongi Cho, who uh, is the pastor of the, Yoido Chapel in South Korea. He started, he was converted, he had tuberculosis, he was miraculously healed at 17 and ended up becoming a pastor. And what he did is he started a thing called Prayer Mountain. And basically it was a place where he went and he trained people to go and pray on Prayer Mountain. And uh, you know, uh, what happened, the church began to explode. I think when Lynn and myself first came to the Lord, we were pretty impressed because there was about 20,000 people going to that church. But the church grew and hit one million. So that's, uh, that's quite amazing. But one of the things that happened in that experience was that the North Koreans were such a great threat that it sent this pastor to his knees. And he began to pray and he began to train people to pray. And like I said, if we want to change our world today, we need to upgrade our prayer life. We need to consider this message and we need to continue what God says about it. They started a place called Prayer Mountain, uh, which is a mountain with like uh, built-in sort of little cavey things and people could go there and pray and fast 
and ask God for a miracle. Do you know what? That's a good thing to do, to pray and fast. You can see I do a whole lot of it, eh? (laughs) But I tell you, this is a good thing to do, to pray and fast, to get before God and begin to ask Him. Because what that church did is they prayed for protection and God really did something there that affected the whole of the nations. Now, what I wanna do, I just wanna show you or talk to you about different kinds of prayer. And the first one is, there's, is, is our personal prayer life. That, that each of us have the choice of, of a daily devotion and praying in the Spirit. And that is like the entry point to prayer. It's like, I believe that at some stage, everybody prays. In a moment of trouble, even those who never never go to church, they pray. I remember when we were in Malaysia, the first time I went over there, and uh, that was in 1995, and we we met some uh, met some people who were not church people who'd never really heard the gospel. Anyhow, we asked them we because uh, you've got to be careful preaching over there because you can end up you know, being uh, apprehended and arrested because it's illegal. But we said we were out at a sort of a, you know, evening eatery. There's lots of them over there. And we said to this young man, have you heard about Jesus? And he told us the experience of his friend who'd never heard of Jesus, who worked on the wharfs and he fell between the wharf and a ship as it was coming in. And he knew that he was gonna be crushed. And he said, for some reason, he yelled out, Jesus, save me. It's a very interesting testimony. It was like something invisible stopped that ship from crushing him. You know, I believe that uh, prayers like this at a certain time can really, really help us, save us, protect us. Lynn will remember this. We went for a drive down to, many years ago, went for a drive down to Lakes Entrance. And on the way back, I stopped at the National Bank at the APM. It was over the weekend. There wasn't a lot of people around. But this car came flying up behind us. I'd got out of the back of our car and I'd walked around the back of the car to go to the ATM. And this car was coming at me so fast that I knew that I was gonna get my legs cut off. And I know that Lynn prayed in the car because we saw what was happening. And I yelled out, Jesus. And that car hit something and stopped a a metre from me. And I remember looking and looking at the eyes of the people in that car and they were totally shocked because something had stopped them. You know, what we need to do is we need to realise that our prayer can change things dramatically around our life. And and sometimes when problems are chronic, and I know that I've had chronic problems at times and thought, where, what's going on here? And you know, I'm not saying that every chronic problem is gonna go away because we pray, 
But our life can change when we begin to pray the right way and we understand what prayer is and we grow and develop in our prayer life. I wanna talk about some different kinds of prayer. And then I'll go in for some points that, you know, of things that should happen when you pray so that your prayers get answered. Number one is warfare prayer. Warfare prayer is a reality that we need to understand. So warfare prayer is when we answer the call to go in and pray like our life depended on it and like the life of others depended on it. This is called warfare prayer. It's talked about in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, verse about 12 there. And, and uh, you know, uh, Paul is saying to the church in Ephesus, he says, we are not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and against the rulers of this present darkness. So this is spiritual warfare prayer. You know, if you look at like our culture now, I, I believe that our culture is under the influence of principalities and powers. The more that we've taken God out of the culture, the more it seems that there is this cultural insanity that is happening where, where there's confusion in the children, confusion in the family and all sorts of brokenness. So what we need to understand that we need to be able to enter in to warfare prayer where we begin to pray and we begin to tear down in the Spirit the things that are going on around about us. You know, when the children are like, um, you know, messed up or uh, being deceived and ripped off as they are in this society, then the church can enter into that place of spiritual warfare and begin to tear down the spiritual influences over that generation. This is what you call warfare prayer. And, and, you know, we need to be able to rise to that occasion. We need to be able to rise up because the, the Bible also uh, uh, talks to us and says that we are God's army on the earth. So we need to be able to enter in and we need to be able to pray for breakthroughs and we need to be able to use, you know, the Bible talks about putting on the helmet of salvation, the, the belt of truth and uh, girding our feet, uh, girding our loins with truth. All these things are like the weapons of our warfare. And then it talks about the Word of God. Take up the Word of God or the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I tell you, when we begin to upgrade our prayer life, using this kind of technology, our prayers will become much, much, much more effective. See here, uh, it says that the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. So sometimes we can pray thinky prayers. You know, thinky prayers are, oh man, I hope God you get me out of here. That's what you call a thinky prayer. It comes out of the mind. But then there is like when we, as, as we've grown in our faith, we understand that we can use the Word. We can use the, uh, the Word of truth to cut down the enemy in the minds of our own life, our children and those around about us. We have got a job to do. 
you know, and it is to stand up into the realm of warfare. The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare, that they're not natural, they're not normal, but they're spiritual and they are powerful, they are great. The weapons of our warfare, 2 Corinthians 10.4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not natural, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds and the casting down of imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Do you know the first place you've got to win the war is the war of your own mind. That's where you've got to win it. Because I tell you, the the spirit of this age has captured the mind of a generation and we've got to be the ones who rise up and begin to really pray for breakthroughs in this generation. Number one is is the warfare prayer. Number two is, which is very flowing on for that, is what we call intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer is like when you stand in the gap for someone else. Does that make sense? Hands up if you understand intercessory prayer. Hands up if you've ever been involved in intercessory prayer. So Jesus is like our model intercessor. He stood in the gap for us because there was a gap between heaven and a gap between the people on the earth. And Jesus came as our Saviour and He stood in the gap for us. He built a bridge between heaven and earth, between the spirit, uh, you know, the spirit realm and the natural realm. And, And He died on the cross for us. He closed the gap between carnal man and God. So I'm just trying to explain this to you. But now the Bible says that He is seated in the heavenlies, making intercession for the saints. So He's there in heaven today, praying for you and me. That's good. Jesus is praying for you today. He's praying for the young people of the city. But now He's waiting for a response on the earth. So this is Jesus' intercessory prayer. So when you begin to get on your knees and you begin to pray for other people and you're crying out in your heart for them, you are stepping into the ministry of intercession, which is love in action, to pray for a person. See, we can accuse people, we can judge people, or we can get down on our knees like this and say, God, change their mind. God, don't judge them. Have mercy on If we can be like that, we can begin to see things happen. This is love in action. This is intercession. And I know, I know that on occasions, God's really called me into that. And uh, intercession is an important thing, you know, because, uh, you know, some of the great revivals in the 50s, you know, people like, and, and even further back, no, it's much further actually, it's back in the times of Finney, there was a man by the name of, uh, Father Nash used to go in and intercede for the people of a city. Then, uh, you know, uh, the preacher, the ministry would come in and tens of thousands would come to the Lord. Someone had done the intercessory work. You know, sometimes God is calling His people to a work of intercession. 
You know, sometimes we're not able to rise that, uh, to that occasion and because of that, nothing changes. There is a great book written called Intercessor by Rhys Howells. And in World War II, Rhys Howells was called to stand in the gap for the nation of Britain as it went into World War II. You know, this is a call to prayer. And I believe whether you know it this morning, God is calling you. God is calling us, He's calling me and He's certainly calling this church to be the one that stands in the gap. Tuesday mornings and Friday mornings on Zoom are very, very important because we're standing in the gap for a society. Uh, Monday nights out at the Pines are very important because we're praying for a city, we're praying for churches, we're praying for a generation. But you guys that are going out there, I want to see you on Tuesday morning in the Zoom, all right? Everybody said? Sam, what do you reckon? Good idea. Thank you. Holy on Monday night, sleeping in on Tuesday. Number three, how are we going with this? Is this helpful? Number three. Now, let me ask you, when was the last time you really pushed in to pray for some friends? Sometimes we wonder, why isn't anything happening? Why aren't people coming to the Lord? Why aren't people getting healed? Because there's not enough pushing in the realm of prayer. Why aren't I breaking free? Why aren't others breaking free? You know, the power that flows through the church can be absolutely connected and related to the prayer life of the church. That is the reality. No prayer, no power. Do you hear that? No prayer, no power. In fact, talking about Yongi Cho, there was a man went over there I remember hearing him preach, he was from America and he said, I want to go to see Yongi Cho and I want to get the key to his breakthrough. And he didn't actually get to see him apart from meeting him in an elevator. And he said to him, what is your key to success? He said, number one, pray. Number two, obey. It's a great key to life. Prophetic prayer, prophetic prayer is when we begin to pick up God's instructions and we begin to partner with Him. When you begin to do this, your life changes very, very quickly. In Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1, here's a perfect example of this. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in a midst of the valley and it was full of bones. And he said to me in verse three, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, only you know, Lord. And again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is a powerful key to getting your prayers answered. I was in Melbourne last weekend and I was driving uh, through Melbourne. That'll make you pray at the best of times. <laughs> but it was like I was just going along and 
I was thinking about the nation. I think of our nation and its trajectory like all the time. And it was like the Lord asked me a question. Can this change? It's like a very strong thought. And straight away in my memory, I went to this verse and said, only you you know, Lord. And He seemed to be saying to me, well, speak to the bones. Speak to the nation. Prophesy. See, what prophetic prayer is, it's picking up the heart of God for the nation. And it's picking up the, the unique words that God may be saying over particular people or nation and it's beginning to speak those words. Because when we read on in Ezekiel chapter 47, Ezekiel began to prophesy to the bones just as he was instructed. And there was a, there was a wind, there was a rattling and God did something miraculous. You know, We give human commentary to things that are happening, but we don't often speak the counsel of God, the heart of God. Over situations, we need to pick up what God's saying and begin to speak those words. When we begin to pick up the heart of God for our nation, our nation can begin to turn around. Verse, the fourth type of prayer is governmental prayer. Governmental prayer, this is a specific kind of prayer that we need to understand. What is governmental prayer? These are like powerful commanding prayers carrying great authority. Did you hear that? Governing prayer is not just a thinking prayer, oh God, save me. I mean, that's a good prayer. You know, when you're heading to a collision in a car, I always thought I'd pray, you know, if I was having an accident. I remember one day a car drove across me and we had a head-on collision. I did not think one bit about Jesus. In fact, I can't repeat the word that came out of my mouth. (laughs) Don't believe that God will save you with your last words. Make sure it's all sorted beforehand. Governmental prayer though, back to the subject. These are powerful, commanding prayers carrying great authority. These are prayers of great faith and they have a kingdom or apostolic thrust about them. For instance, in Mark chapter 11, verse 22, the Word says, have faith in God. Who's got faith in God this morning? Who's got faith? Put your hand up. Great. But it actually is translated like this. It says, have the faith of God. So when we begin to have God's attitude, God's heart and believe what what God believes about a certain situation, we will pray and we will see mountains move. Mountains can move. There are mountains in society that need to move. There are mountains in people's health that need to move. There are mountains in people's relationships and marriages and personal affairs that need to move. Have you ever had a mountain that you know you need that mountain to move? Is there anyone like that? This morning you're in the right place because you see, 
You can have faith in God and speak to the mountain and it's a big zero. Have you ever experienced it? I tried to deal with someone who had a, what I believe was a, a spiritual problem, put it that way, for the sake of the audience further afield. And I prayed for this person. Started out with what I thought was mountain moving faith and I did not get the immediate answer that I would have thought. So you can read a bit into that and I'll tell you a bit more about it later if you like. But we can have mountain moving faith, but you gotta build that into your life. You gotta build it in. It's gotta get built in before your mountain emerges. It's a true story. I've got a friend, his name's Benson Stanley. He's gonna come down for the weekend over Easter and he's gonna give his testimony. But Benson is a Nigerian, no, he's not Nigerian, he's Kenyan or something like that, but he's in Pastor Shay's church, my friend's church. At 33 years of age, he dropped dead. He had a cardiac arrest on the tram on the way to work, 33 years of age. He was put on life support. They got him back. He was gone for how long, Lynn? More than that. He was on the tram and they got him to the hospital and they got him on life support and basically they were going to let him go. And they said, we, everyone said, no, we're not going to wait. We're not going to let him go until Pastor Shea arrives. Now, this is a true story. And he'll give his story here in six weeks' time. But what happened is though he was in intensive care, his kidneys had failed, brain damage, and everything else was not looking good. And then Pastor Shea and Mopi turned up. And when these guys pray, they don't pray thinky prayer. They took over the intensive care ward and they declared healing and health over Benson. Now, Benson will tell you this. He said he was in a big black hole until he heard his pastor's voice. This is where you need the right pastor. Because you'll have, uh, you know, have some pastor say, yep, he's dead. He's had it. God bless you. The will of God. Must have been God's will. Well, that didn't happen here. Pastor Shea got in there and he took over and Benson was raised up off all the life support equipment. Uh, I think there's five or six other people in the intensive care ward got healed. Benson was taken for dialysis, no dialysis required. Brain working perfectly healthy, heart working perfectly healthy. I saw him last week and I spoke to him and uh, this is probably now eight or nine years ago, but he's coming here at Easter. He once was dead, but now he lives. Mountain moving faith. Make sure you're connecting with the right pastor, not one that's overthinking everyone and thinking this is some, he's dead. <laughs> Mountain moving faith. Have the faith of God. If you get the faith of God about a situation, 
God can turn it round. But we've got to get there. We've got to build it. It's got to be built into our life. You've got to give something for God to work with beforehand. It's too late when the crisis arrives. This is governmental authoritative prayer. This is where the church can stand and proclaim the will of God concerning a matter. We take our place of authority and we begin to pray. We begin to storm the gates of heaven and we pray governmental authoritative prayers. This is the corporate authority of the church. Jesus said in in, uh, uh, Matthew 16, uh, from verse 13 on down to about 19, whatever you bind on earth, I will bind on earth. Whatever you loose in heaven, I will loose it. I've got it mixed up, it's back the front. But you know what I mean. It's talking about the corporate authority of the church. So man, we can pray and we can see things happen. We can see families turn around. We can see our city turn around. You know, you're good people. You come on Sunday. You listen to my preaching, even though it's long. You're nice to me. Every now and again, you give me a tip. Give me some chocolates for Christmas. But I hardly see any of you at the prayer meeting. Pastor Graham comes. Felicity tunes in to get a few quotes. <laughs> Governmental prayer, we were called to govern, to stand on behalf of God and speak blessing over people's lives and over the city. Do you know it's like this, that the church potentially has this authority. Have you ever seen a policeman? I've seen them down there in, uh, you know, at, the, at uh, what is it, Burke Street and the one that goes over the bridge. It's the craziest intersection in Melbourne. And you know, Friday night, 4.30, peak hour, there's nuts. And this policeman will step out and go, stop, you stop. Admittedly, they never have to use to do that. So, But what I'm teaching you about is authority. You know, God's given us a badge of authority. It's called the Name of Jesus. So use it. Begin to pray, begin to speak to mountains. Begin to have a go. Begin to speak restoration over your family, over your situations, over your own body. This is governmental prayer. Moving on to the next one. Actually, on that one, a typical example was when Jesus, before I move on, He came through the land of the Gadarenes and there was a demoniac there. It was a man who something had gone wrong and he'd become overcome by by demons. No one could set that man free. No one could help him. He was chained up. And every now and then he'd break break the chains. Like that is like spiritual power, break the chains and hurt the people that came through there. 
It's not nice to meet someone in that situation. But Jesus stepped in and He said, what's your name? Legion. And you know what? Jesus just cast them out. Off you go. These demons pleaded with Him. Send us into the pigs. And then the rest is history. This is the authority of Jesus. We are called to walk in spiritual authority. We are called to walk in spiritual dominion. Now that doesn't mean taking over the world. Although that's not a bad idea. This means standing in, in your authority. You've got to know your authority. You're much more than you think you are, spiritually speaking. But you've got to know this stuff like I know it. We've got to know this stuff. Governmental prayer. When the church stands and prays, things should happen. People should get healed. People should come to the Lord. Things should be turned around. Now the point is, you can go to the next level in your prayer life. I don't think I've got time to tell you how this morning. But next time I come back, we'll talk about this. I'll talk about certain things that should happen when you pray. I think the first step, the first step we've got to do is we've got to be prepared to change our attitude to prayer. I've prayed, I've prayed, I've prayed. Nothing happened. Have you ever been like that? Hands up. I really prayed and nothing happened. I've been praying a long, long time and nothing's happened. But there's a great example where the disciples were fishing all night and caught nothing. And Jesus turns up there and He says, cast out your nets. They go, but we've been, we've been doing this all night. What the heck? She's writing that down, I can see. She's writing it down exactly what I said. I'm gonna check after, I know what I said. <laughs> cast out your nets. You know, I believe as a church, we need to start casting out our nets again. Believing again. Stepping up again. Finding God again. Finding Him again. Sometimes it's like we're in church, but we've lost God. We lost Jesus. This happens really easily. Happens to me. You can lose Jesus, you know that. Turn up, go through the message and even hear the message and think, no, that's too hard. But this is a beautiful thing and it's in James 4.18, I think it is. It says, if you draw near to Him, He'll draw near to you. And I want to finish there this morning because I'll tell you, God's near. He's near. He, we might have the, the guys, the musicians. 
God's near. It's not far. It's a matter of you just stepping up and saying, I'm going to change something. We'll talk some more about that when we come back. I hope you've learned something with those different types of prayer. So uh, here's, a, here's a tip, do it. Have a go, start. And maybe it's been a long, long time since you've really prayed. Today's a good day to start, really is. Can I ask you, what do you get out of it? It's not that I'm insecure and need feedback. <laughs> but what did you get out of it? Come on, big voice. Just while our musicians are getting ready up there. I'll ask my wife first. She's pretty good at giving me feedback. <laughs> uh, I guess a real kick out the pants to start praying again. Yeah. That wasn't intended. <laughs> what do you get out of it, Simon? Uh, I think that, like, just really reconnecting, coming back to what we're, our mission now, what we're meant to be. Yeah, the church is meant to be a place of prayer. It is. Gosh, we need to pray now. Imagine Reese Hales getting up there and he thought, man, our nation's in trouble. And he went right in to pray for the nation. I think if there's a problem with the Australian church, we're very self-sufficient. We don't need to pray in our own mind. What about you, my good friend? What do you get out of that, Pastor Graham? Change your attitude toward prayer. Change your attitude. Oh, I love those messages. Change your attitude <laughs> to prayer. That's right. Yeah. How are you? Good to see you. Did you pick anything up out of that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, for me, it's about rising up and start praying. Uh, it's, not, it's not time to lay down or sleep, but to wake up and start praying. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, it made sense to you? It did. Which part of the world is the family from? Originally, we are from Malawi, but uh, we, my family grew up in the UK. Yeah, so... All my kids are born in the UK. Is it true what I said about the UK being lost? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Partly, part of the UK, that's what is happening. Yeah. What do you get out of this? I think just a challenge on the attitude towards prayer. Yep. Who wants things to change in their life, in our nation? Man, we're just about lost our nation. We've just about lost it. 
If you look at it in the natural, it can't change. But God. But God. So this morning, I'm praying that God brings us right back to what's important. Father, we just thank You this morning. We need You. We need You. Upgrade us.